How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, I step into your grace by faith right now. Uh, your grace that makes preaching easy and hearing the word of God a sweet delight. Holy Spirit, uh, we know the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You are the one that quickens. Uh, let the testimony of your presence uh, be the fact that in our inner man, that which was dead comes alive. In the name of Jesus, let life enter our inner man this morning. Let quickening come. Let strengthening come. In the place of uh, a burden, let release come. Let the spirit of heaviness be destroyed. Let the yoke of depression be broken. Let the garment of praise come. Lord, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we've been talking about the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom. The Bible says that we should give thanks to God because he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. If you are born again, you are in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And the king of the kingdom is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God himself sits as king and the laws of the kingdom come from him. And this kingdom has a culture. And as a child of God, as we enter the kingdom of God, it is important that we understand the culture of the kingdom. Because of a truth, all things have passed away and all things have become new. And as verse 18 says, all things are now of God. Hallelujah. I said all things are of God. You say, well, in my life, this is not of God. and that No, no, it's saying all things are of God. Hallelujah. One of the things we learn in the kingdom is how to receive truth from God and declare it over the facts of our lives because the facts of your life will always change to align with the truth of the kingdom because this kingdom rules over all. Hallelujah. I said the kingdom of God rules over all. So we are talking about the kingdom that we're in and the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom. Um, we're focusing on certain values that we believe as a church God will have us emphasize and focus on. And I believe these, all these values are actually part of the culture of the kingdom. So last week we spent a lot of time talking about this value that we are not from here. That's number one. We are not from here. Now if you were not here last week or you heard what I taught and you didn't really understand it, uh, one of the things we have at High Life is... All our messages are available online. Amen. For free. Okay. Uh, so if you go to highlifechurch.com, uh, sermons, you'll see all our messages. Download the message. Listen to it over and over again. Because what is happening now is truth is going to confront your theology. When God wants to move you to the next level, he gives you revelation. And when revelation comes, initially it comes in a way that, I mean, you're not used to it. That's why it's a revelation. Have you ever wondered why ideas surprise you? You know, you are lying down and you have an idea and you are surprised. Why are you surprised if it came from your mind? Well, you're surprised because it didn't come from your mind. It came from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So when revelation comes, expect it to surprise you. Hallelujah. And what we need to do is go to the Word. Listen to it over and over again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And lay down our existing theology to accept truth. Hallelujah. Because we are going from strength to strength and from glory to glory. Hallelujah. God is moving us to a different position. And revelation always comes. And as we accept that in meekness, um, we will receive insight and be transfigured into his image from glory to glory. So that was number one. We are not from here. That's a value we must embrace that must impact everything we do and how we do life. If you do life like this experience in time is the dimension of your existence, then you are not doing life like a kingdom citizen. Because a kingdom citizen does this life knowing that he is a surgeon here. Hallelujah. 
He's a sojourner here, and there are things you will do in time that will impact eternity. We live from eternity for eternity. Hallelujah. So like the Bereans, go and search the scriptures for yourself. And if you find them to be true, align your life with that. Because it is the corrections or the adjustments we make in the light of truth that put us on the way of life. Hallelujah. Amen. Guys a bit quiet in this church this morning. So that was number one. We are not from here. Number two I'm going to talk on this morning is without his presence, we are nothing. Without his presence, we are nothing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to distill, because we have about 14 of these, but um, we're going to distill it to seven, um, seven key values that we are embracing as a kingdom community. Without his presence, we're what? We're nothing. You know, one of the non-communicable or incommunicable attributes of divinity is that he's omnipresent. You know, a few months ago, we were going through our foundation series, and we talked about certain characteristics of God which um, are communicable. In other words, um, when he created us in his image and likeness, he was able to communicate those attributes to us so, for instance, God is love, he is life, and he is light. How many of you know that the fruit of the Spirit is love? So, it is a communicable attribute of divinity. We are made in his image and likeness. So, there are characteristics he has that we also have. Amen. But then there are incommunicable attributes of God which only belong to him. And one of those attributes is that he's omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere present. He's everywhere present. Now, when we say this value is without his presence, we are nothing, we are not saying or we are not merely saying that, you know, because he's everywhere and we are aware that he's everywhere, Therefore, we temper our behavior because he's watching us. Yeah? You know, he's everywhere present. Uh, that is not what this value is about. It's much more than the fact that God is everywhere present and therefore behave yourself. In fact, I was very saddened when I, um, you know, uh, there was this song that I believe it was composed in the 80s. And it was made popular by Bette Midler. Midler. Some of you don't know who that is. Dating myself a little bit. But recently, um, there was this young African choir um, that sang this song. And, you know, it was a lot of young people from all over Africa, you know. And, uh, you know, they took them abroad and took them all over to different places. And, and these guys had compelling stories. And they sang this wonderful song. I know how, like you, I like watching you know, good representation from Nigeria and Africa on the world stage. And I was listening to the song and I was enjoying it. And then I got to the bridge. And, you know, it was like one of those cringe moments. You know, it was like, it was like when I was listening to We Are The World and they said in We Are The World years ago, there's this line that says, as God has shown us by turning stone to bread. And I cringed. Like, you know, among all of you that were writing this composing this song, none of you understood your word or read the Bible at all to know that Jesus did not turn stone to bread. But there was a line there. But anyway, so I'm listening to the song and it's beautiful. And then these young people sing the bridge and they said, God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. And I thought, no, the omnipresence of God goes beyond that. Yes, God may be transcendent, but he is not removed from us. Hallelujah. He's not removed from us. Because beyond him being present, he is present to manifest himself in our situation. So this value that without his presence we are nothing, we are talking about without an active, manifested presence of God in our lives, we are nothing. We are made to enjoy the presence of God. 
We are made to enjoy a real active manifestation of his presence in our private lives and in our community as a community of believers. You know, David introduces us to a God that is not just present, but he is a present help. He's a present help. In Psalm 46, let's look at verses 1 to 3 in the New King James. And then I'm going to read the passion for a minute. We're talking about the values of the kingdom. The values of this community. You know, David said that I'll behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. If this is the truth, then it must be a truth we experience. We will not be satisfied if this is true, then we're not going to withdraw from it. We're not going to draw back from it until we explore it, experience it, express it, and exhibit it. In Psalm 46 verse 1, David said, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, see there are implications of this reality. Therefore, we will not fear. It is easy to say, don't be afraid. But in your situation, no matter how much they say, don't be afraid, it can sound like a good thing, but for you it's impossible because you know what you're facing. But it's only impossible when you have not experienced the presence of God in a real way. He said, because he's a present help, I will not be afraid. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, the passion says we will never fear even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter if a tsunami rises. The person who understands the manifest presence of God, the person who has engaged with God as a God who manifests in the midst of every situation will not be afraid. David. In Psalm 139 verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So he was speaking about the presence of God in the context of a God who is actively leading him. Hallelujah. He wasn't just saying, God, you're every present. He said, wherever I am, you are there. There's nowhere I can escape from the manifest presence of God who is there to lead me in the way I should go. Hallelujah. To lead me practically in the way I should go. There is a manifested presence of God that is available to us that we do not have to do without. Hallelujah. We don't have to do without it. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. And immediately afterwards he said, we saw how he was working with them. He was working with them in Mark 16. He was working with them and confirming the word with signs. He was there, manifested in their lives and in their situation. The manifested presence of God. Without the manifested presence of God in our lives, we're nothing. We have a theology. Hallelujah. That is no different from anything else, any motivational speaker that it, or any motivational curriculum that is being peddled in planet earth. It is presence that separates us. I said it is presence that separates us. Without his manifested presence, we are nothing. So if we don't have that in our lives, if we don't have that in our community, 
it is time for us to go back to our secret place and seek this manifested presence because you and I are members of the kingdom of God. We have already been qualified and this is part of our inheritance. I'll read two verses from Psalm 63. Passion translation, verse 1 and verse 8. Because of time. This is David. We're talking about an old covenant believer. He wasn't born again. He wasn't the temple of the Holy Spirit. He did not have the Spirit of God living in him. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon the priest, the king, and the prophet. To carry out specific tasks. Hallelujah. But thank God David was a model of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a king, priest, and prophet. Praise God. But he didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. Yet he pressed into these things. Look at what an Old Testament believer had to say. In verse 1 of Psalm 63, he said, Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you. In this weary wilderness, I thirst with the deepest longings in, to love you more. With cravings in my heart that can be described. Such yearnings grips my soul for you, my God. Verse 8 says, with passion, I pursue and cling to you. Because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. He wasn't just pursuing, he clung to him. So he, he searched for him and he found him. Did he not? And he, he maintained an intimate communion with Jehovah. Hallelujah. If David could experience it, why can you not? Amen. The manifested presence of God. He was essentially saying, without your presence, I am nothing. I will not live without your presence. And because he sought God, God gave him what he wanted. Hallelujah. God gave him over and above his desire. Moses was the same way. You know, at some point, God even offered Moses success. And Moses turned him down. Moses effectively said, he said, God, success is nothing without your presence. Hallelujah. I, I don't want the success. I want your presence. In Exodus 33, if you start reading from verse 1, the children of Israel had disobeyed God. God said to them, you know, I am, you guys are stiff-necked people. And he said, in fact, you know, just take off all the jewelry and all the wonderful clothes. Go sit down somewhere in the morning. Let me decide what I'm going to do with you. Sorry, I'm just telling you what the Bible actually says. Because the Lord was very angry with Israel. Very angry with Israel. And then he said to Moses, he said, Moses, I had promised that I was going to give them the promised land and I will still give it to them. He said, Moses, I will send my angel to lead you people and that angel will drive, you wouldn't even have to fight any battle. The angel will drive all the enemies before you. Go read Exodus 33. I will send my angel before you, but I'm not going to go with you. Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, if your presence will not go, don't send us from here. He said, it's not the success. We, we are, no, we don't want the success without your presence. Hallelujah. Moses turned down success for presence. He said, we will get there only with you. Do what you will with us, but we will not go without you. He understood that without presence, they were nothing. Without presence. It is only through the active leadership of the Holy Spirit that we will effectively and successfully transition every stage of our lives into his purpose. I'm telling you, you see, the Old Testament is a model for us. It's an example. It is only through the active leadership you know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, that as many as are led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. It is only through the active, oh, come on, say active with me. It is only through the active leadership of the Holy Spirit 
that you and I will successfully transition from one stage to another in our lives in the plan of God because this journey that God ordained for you before the foundation of this world, this journey that he called you in him and sent you out in him before the foundation of the world to fulfill in time can only be fulfilled under the active leadership of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10, 23, he said, Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. He said, without your presence, I am nothing. I can't lead myself. I don't know the way I'm going to go. I need the active, manifested presence of God in my life. Without your presence, I'm nothing. In the New Testament, Jesus said, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he said that without me, you can do nothing. But you and I as a kingdom community, we must embrace this at a fundamental level. Now without his presence, we can do nothing. Let us explore this morning, time permitting, the intricate dealings of God with Israel in the wilderness. If Israel represents the people of God, then it is a model or a type of how the Lord is going to deal with you and I. Hallelujah. Just like the way he dealt with Jesus, how he's going to deal with us. Because he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. So he deals with us the same way. Israel is a type of the people of God, and it's a model, a type of how the Lord wants to deal with you. And what you will see in his dealings is the active involvement of his presence in their lives. Hallelujah. They had the laws, but he was actively present. You might have the scriptures, but the scriptures do not exclude us from the presence of God. In fact, you can't understand the scriptures without the active involvement of the Holy Ghost. You can't. The scriptures are a doorway to him. They are understood by him. Through him. Because they're all talking about him anyway. And leading us to him. Let's look very quickly at a few things this morning. Look at Deuteronomy 131, and I want you to be looking at these things as a model and type for what God has ordained for your life and mine. In Deuteronomy 131, you know, Moses is recounting Israel's history to them. And you know, at this point, Moses had come to the end of his life, and they were about to transition into the promised land. And a whole generation of Israelites had died. These were the young ones. Yeah, they're still dying, but this was towards the end of Moses' life. Deuteronomy is him recounting what God did and their journey through the wilderness. He said, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, in all the way that you went until you came to this place, Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. Who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way that you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day? You know, for 40 years, God was physically present with Israel every day and every night. He was there as a pillar of cloud by day. And a pillar of fire by night. And he led them everywhere they were meant to go. When it was time for them to move, the cloud will rise and they will just follow him. And what Moses is saying is that when the Lord was moving, he was searching for the next place they will pitch their tent. And he'll find a good spot. And then they say, okay, this is where we're going next. I mean, how intricate is this? Hallelujah. You know, everything that affects you, God is interested in. He said the very hairs on your head are numbered. God has insight for you regarding every aspect of your life. If only you will seek him. Hallelujah. Because if you seek him, you will find him. 
You know, in Isaiah 48 verse 17, he was talking about the fact that he said, I am the Lord, your redeemer. I am the one that will teach you how to profit. Oh, come on now. He said, I will teach you how to profit. I will teach you how to profit. I will teach you how to profit. You know, somebody once said that when the student is ready, the teacher will show up. He said, I will teach you how to profit. And then the next verse, it was like an agony from the heart of God, like that of a teacher that always showed up in class and the student wasn't present. He said, oh, that you had listened to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. You, you could almost sense the pain in the heart of God. He said, I am here to teach you the way to go. I have already gone ahead of you to show you where to pitch your tent. All oh, that you followed me. All oh, that you sought my presence. I would have shown you what I had prepared for you. Which is way bigger than what you think you can make for yourself. The dealings of God. Involving, being involved in the intricate details of our lives. As we seek his presence. They didn't say, oh. We are the people of God, so wherever the soles of our feet shall tread upon belongs to us. Yes, I know. That is a verse in scripture. But then when he said that, he also gave them the borders of their territory. That was not the end of the statement. He said from this place to that place to the other. And then even when he had given them the territory, it was through his active presence that they knew what to do at a particular time. Hallelujah. So yes, I know you're a king's kid. Yes, I know you're the temple of God. Yes, I know you don't need any man to teach you because you have the anointing that teaches you and you know all things. But that anointing is the Holy Spirit and he is there as your guide and he will lead you in the way you should go. It is only through our submission to the active leadership of the Holy Spirit that will successfully transition every phase of our lives into his purpose you know it is said that the shortest route or the shortest path between two points is what a straight line but God doesn't walk in straight lines the Lord does not walk in straight lines you know God probably inspired some of the gamers out there because you enter into this game and there might be 10 levels. And you are thinking, ah, I need to get to level 10 as quickly as possible. And then you get to level 5 and find out that at level 1, there were some lives that you needed to pick up and some equipment. You needed to change your gun from a pistol to a bazooka. But at level 1, the door to enter into that, you know, that transformation agenda was actually at level 1. So you get to level 5 and you don't have the equipment you need because you thought that getting to the end of the game as quickly as possible is the purpose of the game. No, the Spirit of God will leave you here, and then he'll lead you there, and then he'll bring you back here, and then he'll move you forward there, to take, because every destination he has for you, there is something he needs you to pick up, and most of the things he needs you to pick up are issues regarding your character, and he knows that if you don't pick them up, by the time you get to the place he has prepared for you, you are going to be destroyed by the weight of that thing. Because every manifestation of the glory of God has a weight. And unless your character is developed, you will not be able to stand under the weight of the glory of God. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 5, again recounting the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Moses said to them, Remember, you shall remember the Lord your God, how he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. Everyone say he humbled you. Oh, say it again, he humbled you. <laughs> Some of you are not saying it. Say it to your neighbor. In fact, don't say he humbled you. Say he wants to humble you. He shall humble you. Uh-huh. You know, some people think that is a curse. 
But you know that he exalts the humble. The person that he leads in a path of humility is because he has exaltation on his mind. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Before exaltation, there is humility. Before you go up, you've got to go down. You can't say, no, I've got to stay at this level and then I'll go from here. No, he might have an agenda to take you down. And then he will bring you up. It's like you are about to fire an arrow all the way to the front. So you pull the ball. You pull the arrow in the ball all the way back. And you keep saying, but I thought I was moving forward. Why am I feeling like I'm going back? And you want to move forward and he pulls you back a bit more. And you want to move forward and he pulls you back a bit more. And he's doing that because he's about to let you go. He's about to fire you into the camp of the enemy. He said to humble and to test you to know what is in your heart. Whether you will keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he may make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out. Nor did your foot swell all these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Hallelujah. He took care of you, he said. Yeah, I, I know you didn't have, uh, you couldn't go to the restaurant of your choice. I, I know you couldn't drive the car of your choice. I know, yeah, I, I know at some points you thought, you had come to the end of yourself. He said the Lord was, he allowed that process. That is the chastening of the Lord. He took care of you though, if you think about it. At the nick of time, he came through. An extension was given to you. When they told you that there is no way that it's going to be, they give you an extension and within that extension window, somehow something happened. He, he took care of you though. And what he was trying to do was to humble you and build your character. But more importantly, he wanted you to understand that man shall not live by bread alone. It is not money in your pocket that is going to assure your provision. So that when that money comes, your trust is not in the resources you have. Your trust will remain in Almighty God. Because at the level of your trust is where your resources will end. If he planned to give you a hundred million and at ten million you think, ah, I've arrived. I don't need to come to church anymore. I don't need to meditate anymore guess what that is where your resources will end but God is opening the bank of heaven to the people of God he's about to exalt the people of God into places of leadership in the earth he's about to download new inventions that are going to be disruptive and are going to define a new economy in the earth he is looking for people that submit to his process and submit to the humility that he is bringing in this time. Amen. He said remember. Remember the path the Holy Spirit took you through. When they offered you that job. And you prayed and there was a check in your spirit. Don't take that one. Ah, ah. No, don't you understand? No. Testing your heart. Don't take that one. It's not every offer you've got to accept. The humble heart. Is the one that presents everything before the Lord. In times of pressure and in times of celebration. Hallelujah. He said, I am delinking you from the world system. Oh, time will not permit me to explore that further. But know that there were times that they got weary in the way. Yet the presence of God was right there leading them. There are times when the presence of God will lead you through places that are hard. But in the midst of the pain, you've got to look into heaven and see the heart of the Father. Knowing that the Father loves you like he loves Jesus. And the Bible says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to make him sick. Because he made his soul an offering for sin. Hallelujah. But thank God that was not the end. Because through the process of death, at the other end of death, there is resurrection. Look at the path the Spirit took them through. Now fast forward to the end of this story. Moses dies and hands over to Joshua. 
Now Joshua is going to lead them into the promised land. Praise the Lord. Let's look at a few things here. Look at Joshua chapter 3. Okay. We're going to quicken the pace. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Then they rose in the morning, early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officer went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, they shall set out from your place and go after it. Why are they going after? The ark of the covenant. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. Mm -hmm. We have not passed this way before. They had reached the Jordan. They were about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And we will see later that the Jordan itself was an obstacle. But he said that the ark is going to go before you. Don't get too close to it. Don't presume to know the way we are going. Don't presume to know the way we are going. Because we have not been this way before. Yeah? We have not been this way before. You know, we have been pre-qualified for an inheritance. Even before we give our lives to Christ. Jesus already went to the cross, did he not? But now he's taken us through a process that will take us into the inheritance that he has prepared for us. But he says that we've got to, we can't be presumptuous about the way we're going. We've got to seek him, knowing that we have not been this way before. You know, God made them a promise. He said that you are going to, um, I'm going to give you a land which you did not labor for. And you are going to live in cities which you did not build. And you are going to dwell in them. You are going to eat of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now that is not to luxuriate a life of laziness. However, the reward of your life is not going to be equivalent to the labor you have put in. Because the Bible says that when you seek first his kingdom... And it's righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. You understand? I just gave you a testimony that shows that there are different ways that God can bless you. And when you are faithful to what he has given you to do, and you honor him and give him that priority in your life, and you make the kingdom agenda... You know, sometimes people actually think that by giving to the kingdom, they are losing out. You see, whenever you make the kingdom agenda your priority, the kingdom will bless you. I said the kingdom will bless you. You are going to enter into something that is beyond what you labored for because in this kingdom, we are standing on the shoulders those who have gone before, there is an inheritance that has already been put in place for you that God wants to connect you to. When you live in a family, a wealthy family, you educate your children and, you know, they show themselves responsible. You see, their lives are not just going to be about what they do, is it? Because there is an inheritance The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. There's an inheritance that they will enter into. And because of the wisdom that they have developed in life, they will take that inheritance and take things to the next level. God said, I am leading you into an inheritance. And you're going to enter a dimension of life that goes over and above what you are able to do for yourself. But Joshua said to the people of God, You have not been this way before. So keep the ark in front of you. Hallelujah. And follow the ark. Look at verse 9. Let's start from verse. It says, so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. 
And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. Manifested presence. Living God is among you. And that he will, without fail, drive out before you all those guys. And then verse 11 says, Behold, look at the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribe of Israel, one uh, from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters shall, shall come down from upstream, and they shall stand up as a heap. So it was, when the people set out from the camp to cross the Jordan River, the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters that came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, and the city that is beside Zaretan, so the waters that went down into the sea from, of the Araber and the sea salt failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Okay, verse 17 says, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over. Everyone say all Israel. Oh, say it again, all Israel. All Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. I believe that we are arriving at the Jordan. We're in a period of transition. We are transitioning from wilderness living to promised land living. You know, the miracles in the wilderness were to preserve them. Are you with me? The miracles in the wilderness were what? To preserve them. But they were entering into a new dimension. The miracles in the promised land were to advance them and advance the kingdom. Are you with me? They were entering a place that they had never been to before. Now, Jordan is very strategic or it's very important. You know, in scripture, Jordan is seen as representing the place of death. The place of death, okay? It represents death, but it also represents for the believer resurrection. Yeah? You know, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, all right? Um, and he came out of the Jordan filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the place of his commissioning, was it not? For the believer, every believer, to enter into God's promised land for you, you are going to go through a Jordan, Okay? But thank God, it is a place of death, but it is a place of resurrection. Because you are going to pass through Jordan and you are going to enter a promised land. Are you with me? This promised land is not heaven because they fought there, remember. Alright? It's a place of transition. But it says that Jordan, in the time of harvest, was overflowing its banks. You know, historians tell us that the river Jordan at this time was about 10 to 12 feet deep, uh, 40 feet wide. It was a very treacherous place. Christian historians have documented historical records of deaths being happening at the Jordan, especially during the time of harvest. It was a very treacherous place. How are we going to cross this Jordan? Are you with me? How are we going to cross this Jordan? It is a place where it's like death is overflowing. Hallelujah. But God has a plan for resurrection. You, you know, in, um, in Isaiah 30 verse 15, the Bible says that in returning and in rest shall you be saved and in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand shall flee at the threat of what? Of one 
And at the threat of five, you shall flee till you are left as a pole on top of a mountain and a banner on a hill. You know, um, I think it was a few weeks ago I made a statement that for you to experience the impossible, God is going to put you in a context where you are faced with impossible odds. Yeah? Now, here they were at the Jordan. There were about three million people. How are we going to go over this Jordan? Now, normally, people would have said, you know what? It's not possible. Let us go back to Egypt. And I'm sure some people said that at this point. All right? Now, in our nation right now, we are at a Jordan. And this Jordan is overflowing its banks. Are you with me? You know, Isaiah 60 talks about the fact that um, it says, Arise and shine, for the light is come, for the glory of God is risen upon you. It says, Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but his light will arise on you and his glory will be seen on you. So he's saying that in the context of darkness, he has destined for you to be light. Is that not right? But you see, the darkness can be so overwhelming that if we do not press into his presence and become that light, we are going to run away as well. He says the strategy to transition in this time is to look at what the Spirit of God is doing and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because God wants to do wonders in your midst. Joshua said God wants to do wonders in your midst. He wants to do a wonder in your life, but in this time, when Jordan is overflowing its banks, where it seems like there's death everywhere, instead of you fleeing like the rest, and fleeing at the threat of one, this is the time to enter the secret place because the place of your strength is a place of quietness, it is a place of confidence, is a place of seeking the presence of God who will unfold his strategies for you in this time. Hallelujah. You know, I went to pick up the kids uh, at the airport a couple of days ago. And I get to the airport, you know, my driver took me there, our international airport. And, you know, I said, okay, you know, drive me into the car park. So he drove in the car park and he said, ah, are you going to walk to the terminal? I said, yeah, of course, I'll walk to the terminal. So I get out of the car park and I was walking to the terminal and I lifted up my eyes. Let me use biblical language. And I just saw the chaos that was in front of me. And it hit me in a new way that he has never hit me before. Because I was thinking, this is the Lagos International Airport. The number of cars, the number of people, it was just chaotic. Everybody everywhere, no order. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And then I thought about you. <laughs> you know, and I walked through the cloud, and there were no officials conducting traffic it was like everybody for himself and anyone that was given a little bit of authority was looking at how he was going to exploit that authority to his own advantage. And then I finally get into the terminal and everyone everywhere, everything is just chaotic. So I can understand why you flee at the threat of one. Are you with me? Because I'm like, where do we begin? Where do we start from? Hallelujah. But he said that as Jordan is overflowing its banks, there is a wonder I want to do with you. He says as Jordan is overflowing its banks, there is a wonder I want to do with you. But the secret of your life is going to be in his presence because you have not been this way before. And then Joshua gave the edict and said, watch as the presence is moving and follow the presence. And believe you me, instead of the Jordan overflowing you, when the presence touches the water, you are going to see a miracle. A way is going to be made for you. You are going to go through this Jordan. I am going to unfold for you a strategy concerning your life, a strategy concerning your industry, a strategy concerning your finances, a strategy concerning your children. And you are going to find that this Jordan will part at the sound of my presence. He said, I'm going to do a wonder with you. When a thousand are falling on your right, you are not going to fall. You are not going to fall. You are going to see it, 
But you are not going to fall. You are not going to fall. If you become a people of my presence, he says, you are not going to fall. Don't run away. Don't be afraid. You are not going to fall. Hallelujah. And that's why David could say, I'm not afraid because he's my present help. I have discovered him as a present God. I have entered into the secret place and I have understood how to hear his voice. And he will lead me in the time of darkness and he will be a light to me. You know, strange strategies are going to come out of his presence. Strange strategies. Hallelujah. Because believe you me, if we had had five consultants on that day, and we had talked about and strategized on how to build a bridge across the Jordan on that fateful day that will sustain three million people, we'll probably still be there today. Thank God for consultants. Hallelujah. Thank God for consultants. I said, thank God for consultants. Yeah, but God wants to give consultants wisdom from heaven. Job 32 verse 8 says, there is a spirit. With our bodies, we contact the physical world. With our minds, we contact the intellectual realm. But brethren, there is another realm. With our spirits, we contact the realm of heaven. He says, there is a spirit in man. There is something called inspiration where the spirit of man communes with the spirit of God and there is an exchange of divine wisdom between the spirit of God and the spirit of man. And that divine wisdom is downloaded into a natural context and it brings supernatural solutions. Strange solutions are coming from the presence of God. Strange solutions, strange solutions in finance, in education, in business, in economy, in ministering to the world. A billion people are about to be saved. There is going to be a new church that is going to have a methodology on how to disciple a billion people. While people are still thinking of how to build a new building and build a bigger building, there is a church that is arising, that is preparing to disciple a billion people across the earth. Strange solutions are coming from the presence of God. Where young people begin to have divine ideas. Where old people begin to be rejuvenated in their vision. We've not been here before. And they cross the Jordan. And they entered into a new dimension of life. Let me stop there this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands and bless the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord. This is not the time to flee. No, no, no. This is not the time to flee. We don't flee. Yes, you can move from place to place. But only as you are instructed by the Lord. We are not people that flee at the threat of one. Oh, he says, I want to do a wonder among you. I want to do a wonder among you. I want to do a wonder among you. You who have submitted to my process. Yes, you are being confronted with the Jordan. But at the other side of Jordan is your promised land. Do not let your heart fear. Do not draw back. Without his presence, we are nothing. But thank God we have his presence.